and welcome back to Artist Avenue. My name is Christiana Hartsotis, and for the launching interview episode of Artist Avenue podcast, I am joined by the wonderful Sidoni Smith. Sidoni Smith is in demand internationally as a stage actress, vocalist, and violinist. The multilingual leading lady has starred in hit musicals around the world, such as Sister Act, West Side Story, The Bodyguard, Jekyll and Hyde, and Jesus Christ Superstar. Offstage, Sidoni is most proud of her work as a mindset mastery coach and social media mentor for other theatre artists. I hope this episode inspires you to follow your hearts and your dreams, be unique, celebrate yourself, and remember, an original is worth more than a copy. Enjoy the episode. I am so excited to have you here and really, really grateful that you said yes to this. And I'm simply thrilled to have you as my launching guest because you are such an inspirational person and your journey as a creative just blows my mind every single time I hear it. It's packed with determination and drive and passion and is simply incredible. Without further ado, let's kickstart this archive of stories and let's start at the top with your personal once upon a time. How did it all start? Oh my goodness. Back to the very beginning. It's a good place to start. So <laughs> I, I'm from Miami, Florida, American girl. And um, I grew up very, very shy. I was not interested in being the center of attention. I was not interested in having conversations with uh, big groups of people, not really even small groups of people. But my mom she had in her mind that every child should learn an instrument. And so I started playing piano when I was really small. And uh, then I went to fine arts schools, which was so wonderful. I went to performing arts schools from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade when I finished school. And um, I had the opportunity to be in a dance class and drama and, 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 and visual art and also music. And part of the way the school was structured was in the first three years, first grade through third grade, you get to do all the disciplines. And then in fourth grade, you had to like choose your lane. And so in a way it was kind of picking your major when you're nine. Um, and it really ended up being my major indeed. I chose, uh, I chose drama. And I remember the form uh, had four little lines and it was kind of listed in your priority of what you really wanted to focus on because you don't take the other classes anymore in fourth grade. And I brought it home to be signed to my mom and she said, no, absolutely not. She told me that a shy little girl shouldn't do drama. She should do music because everybody gets a part when you mm -hmm. do music. And I definitely struggled with that as, you know, fast forward, spoiler alert, I do become an actress. But <laughs> as I was learning, I thought I could be so much farther along. I could be such, I could be a better dancer. I could be more confident. You know, I could maybe have already worked some, you know, while I'm here trying to piece together, you know, the puzzle now in my mid twenties, I could have already been on my way. I could have been maybe even in New York doing Broadway. And um, I don't subscribe to that sort of thinking anymore. First of all, because I love how my story turned out. Mm -hmm. It really worked out in the most unique and beautiful way. And my background really, um, I don't think it defines me, but it really feeds into who I am on stage. It feeds into the kind of artist and colleague I am. And so I'm so glad I have an orchestral background. And I'm glad that um, I decided to see it that way. So my mom said no. And I joined the music program in my school. And I played a lot of musicals from the orchestra pit. And uh, like I said, because I went to these really cool performing arts schools, 
it was elaborate. It was huge productions and every department was involved. And um, whatever instrument we were learning at the time, that's what I played in the pit. I played xylophone, I played pianica as like, <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird little tiny keyboard that you blow into. It sounds really <laughs> sanitary, right? No, not at all. Um, but I played pianica and then as I, um, when I turned 10, I started playing violin and viola in school. Not, no private lessons, just in the public school system in Miami. And I um, started to play pit <laughs> also in strings. And um, yeah, I guess I should sort of speed up the progress at this point because um, I became a composer in middle school. I realized that I was actually quite good at the viola and I was um, falling in love with writing string quartet music, which grew into writing orchestral music, which uh, grew into writing orchestral music with full choir and uh, full orchestra and choir. And I, even in my high school, uh, my high school graduation, I wrote the theme song and got to conduct it, you know, when I was 17. And so that is how my life was headed. I was going to college to study viola and I was gonna head toward a career in some great fancy orchestra or so I thought. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I started my bachelor's degree. It was going super duper well. And uh, I was already a senior in my third year and um, learned kind of just with some introspection, but it was even more than that. It felt like a light went on. I just knew I had to try theater. And I know that can sound like a wacky, strange concept, but it's a feeling that we've all had. That feeling of knowing that I should call Christiana today or write her and you get that response. It's like, I needed to hear from you. I wanted to talk to you. I've been, I've been thinking about you. It's one of those intuitive moments, except it meant changing my whole life. Not, not just, <laughs> not just writing Christiana on Instagram, but um, a bigger decision. <laughs> yes, slightly larger decision. And um, because it was such a clear calling in my heart, I knew I had to act big. Like I had to make a big move. I decided I was going to become an actress, which sounded really insane because I hadn't acted, you know, nine-year-old Sid wanted to act, but I didn't, I hadn't pursued it really. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely hadn't sung. I certainly hadn't danced, you know, and under any kind of training. And, um, but I knew it was something that I was supposed to do. My professors didn't really understand. And some people were supportive. Some people weren't. That's part of the game. Um, of life, no matter what you're doing. Um, you're not always going to have support from every side, but I really leaned into the support that I had and I let that play in my ears rather than um, some of the other <laughs> stuff. And um, slowly but surely, I spent time in the library. I took every class I could. I um, applied myself. I volunteered. I swept stages. I just stood next to people who were brilliant, trying to let it rub off on me. Um, <laughs> listen to a lot of, uh, of my favorite artists. Even now, Audra McDonald's is still one of my favorite artists. And I listen to her nonstop, just trying to have great influences around me. Because even though I was studying classical viola and didn't necessarily have friends that were... Um, into theater or could teach me anything, you can always surround yourself with like-minded people. And so I found my way, you know, that was in the early 2000s. So it wasn't like I could, you know, jump on a great podcast like Artist Avenue, or I, I couldn't necessarily um, 
go on social media and find a group, but I got in the library. I listened to music. Oh man. Um, and slowly but surely I learned as best I could until I was invited to join a grad school. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I was studying musical theater there, I actually got recruited to Germany and finished, well, continued my studies in Germany and got my first contract after two semesters in Hamburg. And I have been working in this part of the world consistently ever since. That's, that's incredible. So your journey from the USA to Germany, to Europe, essentially, started from the scholarship. In a way, because I, I, I didn't know it would lead to that. I was just following the open doors, which is something that I, I really like to encourage people to do mm -hmm. um, because plans are really good and goals are important, but we just cannot see that far. <laughs> we yeah. just cannot see that far. And so sometimes you have to set something in motion by having an intention to head a place. But if you say, like in my, in my um, life, I want to do musical theater professionally. I want to be the most excellent singer actress I can be. Um, and I think that means I'm going to go to New York, but somebody knocks on your door and says, Hey, there is a huge market for musical theater in Europe. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Here's an open door. You better consider that door because yeah. that might very well be your destiny, even though you had a plan. Yeah. So you need to be adaptable. Definitely. Exactly. And did you know any German when you came over or was it all just a foreign language and a jungle? <laughs> not one word. And that's not exactly true because we steal a lot of German words and don't even realize it uh -huh. <laughs> in the States. We definitely say kindergarten and we definitely say Gesundheit, pronounced just like that, Gesundheit, oh. when someone sneezes. Um, but I probably never even registered those are German words. I knew, I knew nothing of the language when I got here. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's another testament that anything is possible because I understood that, number one, I wanted to be respectful and, and, and show my gratitude in the land in which I wanted to work. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to not only um, understand and read the language, but speak it with such a high fluency that I could speak directly from my heart and not always be in my head trying to, trying to translate or um, trying to figure my way through. I wanted to also be an actress that was able to be spontaneous. Um, not, not that I necessarily do improvisations, but that I'm connected to my gut and not just my memory of how do you say that word? Yeah. Um, so I got here and I got on the language learning immediately. Um, and it went very quickly. Um, people say that German is a very difficult language. I disagree. I think, <laughs> I think there are so many things that are difficult if you decide they are. Um, so maybe rather than focusing on the difficulty, I focus on the doability because I know that hard things are possible. And so, yes, I was confronted with a lot of cases and articles that we just don't have in English. It's always the in English. And I got here and I was like, what do you mean there's six forms of the? <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> How very rude, Germans. <laughs> um, but it's doable. It's like every German I meet understands it. 
so I can learn it too. You know, every child that was born in this country, they didn't know daddy does when they were born. Somehow they learned. And that means I can learn too. And so um, I suppose it is challenging, but I decided not to look at it as a difficult language. Because if we focus on all the things that are hard in our lives, we would take so much longer to get to our dreams and goals. Mm -hmm. So you kind of integrated it into your art because it's also a skill and an art form to learn a new language in a way when you started over here was were the lessons and everything were they in german as well and with the singing did you have to just all of a sudden sing in a foreign language without knowing what you were saying basically i almost all of my classes were in German at the school. My oh, wow. voice teacher. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Uh, I remember standing outside of my ballet class five minutes before. And I wish uh, listeners that you could see this on video because I remember standing outside and showing my colleagues like pointing to like my wrist and my knuckles and saying, what is this called? What is this called? What is this? And they <laughs> basically gave me a quick anatomy vocabulary lesson so that when I went in the door, I knew what the heck she was asking me to do, the <laughs> ballet instructor. I had no idea. And if you speak both English and German, you might find funny that I thought the Fußboden was a part of my foot because it has the oh, word foot in it and I remember course. being and it's basically like a, how would you describe it Christiana it's basically your the foot platform if yeah. you're literal about it yeah um, and so I knew that I had a foot fuß I had a fußgelenk a foot joint that which was my ankle but I was like what part of my body is the fußboden um so I'm sure I provided my colleagues a lot of laughs when I finally asked you know what part of my body is the floor um <laughs> Yeah, my my school was in German. I was doing um, dramatic improv in German as best I could. Uh, It was a lesson in humility because, you know, I couldn't read when Mm -hmm. I got here. (laughs) I literally couldn't read. Um, uh, And I did uh, learn to sing in German, worked very diligently on phonetics, um, which I even, I put phonetics even ahead of language learning. Mm-hmm. Even though language learning was very dear to me, I wanted to sound excellent as quickly as possible. I wanted to sound fluent mm-hmm. um, and at the same time become fluent. On the topic of singing, what's the biggest difference when you're singing German to English? I think it's probably really personal to every single artist and every single singer. But what would you say is the biggest difference and what are the challenges that can be faced with it and how do you solve them? I can definitely say that English is a language that wants to be belted. And so mm. much of musical theater um, is very, very in that um, speech quality space. And you can even just hear in my accent that I resonate very, very forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're on a train without, you know, if you have noise canceling headphones on on a train and you can't really hear, it's muffled what the other people are saying. If it sounds like, there are probably Americans on the train with you who just (laughs) sort of resonate up there. And so uh, one of the tricks is finding uh, that kind of a pingy uh, space when you're singing in German. Totally possible, but it's not as automatic as, say, in English or in Dutch, where uh, Hmm. you tend to, or some of the Asian languages that I've heard, that that it's just really the resonance is very cheekbone heavy and and, and, uh, in some cases also nasal. Um, I 
love singing in German. And I find one of the great gifts of my career is knowing roles in multiple languages because the translations are so varied in that when you translate a musical, which is just beautiful and fine work, it's really difficult to do, um, you're not translating word for word, you're translating idea for idea. And so you end up with twice the metaphors, twice the, the imagery for your character um, when you know it in two languages and you can actually add that to your playing because someone else has interpreted it for you in another language. It's really a very special thing. Um, another challenge about singing in German is um, there are just a couple of vowels that are murder to belt. Mm -hmm. It's not nice. <laughs> Really, I know that one. It's really, it's really, really kind of mean. <laughs> Sometimes you can sort of modify a vowel in English and get away with it. That's something that might be a little too, um, a little too pinched if you belted a high, I don't know, mm -hmm. CDEF, uh, and you can kind of open it in English. Whereas in German, you think, hmm, no one's going to understand what I'm saying. Oh, am yeah. I going to? Hmm. I'm just going to have to figure it out and make it as tall as possible. Um, like, like memory, like the whole touch me, the ah, 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 that you can use is spür mich. <laughs> so oh my God. Yeah, so you get up to the pinnacle of the song and you're like, oh gosh. <laughs> it's so close, isn't it? It's really close. <laughs> Incredible. It's, it's crazy what languages do, I think, and the way you speak and everything. So for performers, because I know there's a lot of talent that comes over to Germany, for example, and they audition. So they get this sheet music and they have no idea what's going on, but yet they also have the stress of the audition and they really want to like make a good impression, get the best out of it for themselves and for everyone. Do you have any recommendations for auditionees, for example, that would not know German? They only know English. They might know the song, the melody, but have this sheet music, these new lyrics, and how do they learn this to the best of their abilities that they can for the audition? Well, if you have your, this is a great question. If you have your sheet music well in advance, I would say always hire a coach. Sometimes there are things in life that um, you should save money on and make sure that you are just, you know, giving out as little as possible. And there are some things that are worth spending the money on it because it's an investment in yourself. And the language, I think no matter what your, um, your mother tongue is, I don't think that German is so intuitive that you can just sight read it and feel confident you need someone to help you out and so whether that's a friend or um, a coach find someone to read slowly for you and uh, if they're willing uh, listen back to you and now with all that in mind all of that prep also let it go because it's not it's not lost on the the audition panel that you don't speak german yet it's pretty amazing to have the guts to get up and sing in front of 20 strangers that are powerful in a language that you yourself don't understand. And so you have to be able to forgive yourself too. So prep diligently, but do not get caught up in the details. Um, they realize that it's a difficult, that it's a difficult ask that they presented you with. Um, so I guess more than anything, you are showcasing your bravery and your adaptability. You're showcasing how quickly you can pick something up um, so that 
um, you're giving the feeling like, well, if this candidate can learn this much German in a week, in six or seven, they could be ready to play this or that role. And how is it to be part of all these new musicals, let's say, because they get translated? How mm -hmm. is it being part of those pieces when you know them in English, for example, really well, and then you get to do them in a new language and it's basically a new piece of art? It's a gift. I feel for Memphis is a great example, but it's not a great working example because I haven't started the rehearsals yet. Uh -huh. um, but I'll tell you a really, really good one. And that's Legally Blonde. Um, so when Legally Blonde went to Vienna, I mean, we all knew it very well because of it being on MTV. It was yeah. broadcast. And I love when shows are filmed from the stage. It doesn't need to be a new movie. It just needs to be filmed from the stage. I want to see the, the direction, the set design, the costume design. I want to see the actors in their original, in, in their natural habitat, right? Mm -hmm. um, the stage actors in their natural habitat. <laughs> um, so when that came over, same with Sister Act, when it came over to Europe, it is such a learning process. And you have to, the difference is it can change every day. You get updates all the time. It's like working on a new piece in that they're trying to not only translate the words, but translate the culture. And mm -hmm. I think that is with um, why Legally Blonde is a really great example because this um, college life sorority culture, that makes sense to an American in half a second. But how do you translate this whole thing, this whole trope that we know really well, to a Viennese audience and quickly. Um, sometimes you have to go back to the references and decide, okay, do I want to use the American reference or do I want to kind of give them something that they're aware of? Do we want to just try out different things every single day of the preview? And that happens too, that certain lyrics will be different seven nights out of seven nights uh, for the previews to see where the laughs are. You know, that's not your... <clears throat> necessarily your job as the actor to gauge the laughs but the team is checking okay does this work does this land can people understand this um do we need to slow this whole song down because in german the syllables are are just so many so many more um sweeney todd for example the um uh, kiss me duet is a patter song and in patter songs It's okay in general if they don't understand every single word you're saying. The goal is to be so clear that they could, uh -huh. but there, there's a line where you, no one understands anything. And so um, now every now and then you see songs just actually been taken down a couple metronome clicks so that it's understandable in the new language as well. So uh, everything feels like a new pair of clothes and that is, that is fine, but that's just part of, part of the process of bringing a show to Europe. What reassured you on your way that this whole international performer thing would work? Did you ever have any doubts or did you ever feel that you weren't welcome, let's say, in a part of the world? Or did you just find it, it kind of all merged together because everyone understood art and it was just this magical language that allowed you to integrate and be yourself and be crazy and just express yourself? I have to say that because I didn't plan it, it's so it's much easier to look backward and say, aha, I've created an international career. That wasn't my goal. That wasn't what I was after. And so in the thick of it, and this applies to you too, dear listener, in the thick of it, you won't know exactly what you're creating. You don't, it's not like baking. 
um, yeah. sugar, butter, flour. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. um, you just are in the middle of it. And so I didn't realize that I, I thought I could go home at any time. Um, but every time I checked in with myself and asked if I wanted to do that, it didn't feel right. Or anytime I went home, I realized that it actually wasn't the time yet. And I came back. Um, so I ended up doing very short things at like concerts and, you know, on Broadway or, or in Florida or in, um, in Hollywood and Los Angeles, mm -hmm. um, but never really, really parking there. Um, who's to say, maybe I'll have an international career that in the next phase of it, it's based in Boston. I really don't know. Boston, that was random, by the way. I'm not making an announcement. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but I didn't, I didn't know what I was baking. Um, and so it wasn't as if I could, um, kind of gauge how it was going because it wasn't necessarily the plan. I was just following the open doors. Um, I have lived in so many cities, um, in Europe, mostly in Switzerland and Austria and Germany, um, but in London too. Uh, but I, have I, I do have cities that I love more than others. I love Berlin so, so much. And then there are other cities that I've lived in that I thought, well, the buildings are pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it was just not my place. Um, but the theater is always home. Even in the cities where I'm like, I, what, I would never voluntarily move here again. Theater people, we are just different. We just speak a different language and I could feel absolutely at home. And I was so grateful for that. Um, yeah. And so I guess one of the things of being a performer is that, you know, it's not going to last that long. And that actually applies to anybody. If you're in a, a town that you don't like, you don't have to stay. You might answer me and say, but I have to, but think about it. Do you have to have to have to stay? Probably not. And um, <laughs> even, even if you need to stay for the next five or 10 years, you can still be looking for your dream city um, and kind of point your direction that way. Mm -hmm. I think that's the beauty of being a performer as well. Just we do have, and I think we don't realize it, but we do have this gift and this ability that we are actually quite spontaneous and we can adapt really quickly. And I yes. think a lot of the times we take it for granted and we think that everyone's just used to doing it. Everyone can just pack up their life and go to another city for like, a contract and then come back but it's actually something incredible that we do and I think it we really should is. just all celebrate it we have no idea how brave we actually are mm. um my best friend um we went to college together and we have such divergent lives she has five kids and she homeschools them even out of quarantine like she's <laughs> she's a homeschool mom of five and very active in her church and just you know and and close to where we grew up. And here I am all over the world, right? And when she talks about what I do, she's so supportive. She's flown over to Switzerland to watch me on stage, even though she's got five kids at home. Wow. Um, but she says, the idea of doing what I do sounds like torture. It sounds, she, she would be so stressed all the time at doing the thing that I do normally. And so we don't even realize how brave we are. Because I was like, Really? Well, I'm glad you don't have to do it. I don't want you to be tortured. <laughs> so we're coming towards the end of the interview now. What is the biggest thing you have learned as a performer on your journey? Oh, that's a toughie. Mm. I have learned that I am enough and I have done enough. 
and to let it go. Um, that is the longest, most repeated lesson of my career. Um, that's where confidence come, comes from, is knowing that what you bring to the table, who you are, is actually enough. And I don't have to put a bunch of gravy and mayonnaise and, and pickles and sauce on top. Um, my heart is enough. And so there are going to always be tons of other folks out there that have done it before you. When I say done it, I mean like a specific role, like an iconic role. I've been thinking a lot about Sally Bowles. And there are just icons that have played but when I'm playing her, I'm the only one there to play her. And what I bring is enough because my heart, my essence, my me-ness is so unique that it is enough for that moment. And that goes for you too. What you are is enough and what you did is enough. So when the show is over, when the audition is over, you're allowed to release it because it was good enough. Even if you don't feel like it was good enough for you, you might actually need to be as forgiving with yourself as other people are. <laughs> um, and to just really, um, the letting it go is a process. And there, there are levels to it. And there are some things that are easy to release. Certain auditions where you think, okay, I did my very best and I'll hear in six weeks. Um, and for now, I'll just let it go. And other ones where it just feels like this is the opportunity of a lifetime. And if I get this, everything would change and my dreams would come true. And so it, you kind of start to strangle it. And I promise you, the more you can release, the more you can actually let into your life. Um, so don't be angry with yourself if you're not great at letting go right now. And don't be angry if you get great at it and then you have a relapse and you're like, <laughs> what's going on with me? It's, it's the process. It's the human process. It's the creative process. Um, but that is, that's the biggest, most important lesson. Mm -hmm. And it kind of ties into what you've just said. The second question is what makes you unique as a creative, as a performer? Is there something that you once saw was stopping you or you didn't accept as your unique selling point, let's say. And over the years, you realize that this is actually something that is your strength that puts you apart from others and that makes you special and you've learned to work with this for your industry and for your life as well. I love that question. I have a couple examples, maybe mm -hmm. three. Um, well, we know that I have a background in string playing. So every now and then there is a wacky um, production and that calls for an actress that's a classical soprano that also plays a violin or viola. And those are such wonderful moments of just full circle and feeling my whole life come together because none of the time was wasted. Um, one of the things I'll, I'll do kind of in... Um, uh, something on the surface and then something a little bit more deep. Um, I used to feel very insecure about my hands. I have very, very long kind of bony fingers. <laughs> um, and uh, I remember one time I was in a restaurant, I was in a very loud restaurant and my friend couldn't hear me. And she asked me to tell me, tell her my phone number so she could just text me. And I used my fingers to like show her my phone number across the restaurant. And she goes, ew, gross, stop it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not doing anything. I really am just holding up two fingers. But my, my, my hands, they, I, 
the fingers are long and they don't go perfectly straight and things like that. Never stood in my way playing the viola professionally, but <laughs> it was really weird to her. And so after that, anything someone said about my hands, I kind of took personally, whether in a dance class or at an audition, I felt, okay, I have, that's something that's weird about me. And I will never, ever forget when I was doing Sister Act in Switzerland. That's the last time I did that. And we got to actually meet there, which was awesome, Christiana. Mm -hmm. um, I got so many unsolicited compliments about my hands. It was wild. So many people after the show, I did a three-hour basically comedy stand-up routine for them and sang 14 <laughs> songs. And they would say, you know what I find so mesmerizing about you when you dance? Your hands. And I laughed at every single one of them in their face because I was like, you gotta be kidding me. My hands? You never know. The thing that you think is so strange, other people find so beautiful. And I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't trying to, you know, it wasn't a mime show. I had no gloves on. I wasn't <laughs> trying to be beautifully, I wasn't doing handiography, but people ate it up. They really, really loved it. And so that very strange thing about you don't worry about it. Really just <laughs> embrace it because someone's going to find it beautiful. And the most important thing that I learned to work with is my introversion because mm -hmm. I grew up with people telling me that I needed to be more extroverted. And that is simply not true. I was created in this form. And I think of my introversion, at, let me just define it really quick. It's, I'm not saying uh, that I'm shy. I used to be shy, but I'm not shy anymore. I'm not afraid because I equate shyness with fear. But as far as how I get energy, I feel much more energized in this conversation one-on-one -on -one with you as I would playing for 40,000 people. I would enjoy it but i'd be depleted i'd be so tired whereas when i when we hang up today i'm gonna be like yeah that was so fun i loved it let's <laughs> do it again um because i'm an introvert and so with that comes the superpower that i am mega observant uh, which is a great quality in a scene partner great quality in an actress that i am introspective that i um that I am just a thinker and that is a wonderful thing. And I stopped seeing it as a reason to feel like, okay, maybe I'm not going to get this because she's really extroverted. Mm -hmm. I actually have the gift of going within that comes much more naturally to me. And that is my superpower. I love that. I think many will be able to relate with it. Cause that's a bit, I think it's a big topic with the introvert and extrovert and it's just part of who you are. And you can just work with it. And it doesn't mean that so, some people will fail at something because they're more extroverted or more introverted. It's just a matter of knowing that the playing, the playing field is equal. We're mm. on equal ground. I, I'm not at a loss because I'm more introverted. I'm just, we're starting at the same starting gate because, yeah. you know, my colleagues that are more extroverted, they have qualities that are so amazing for the stage. doesn't mean that I have fewer. I just have different ones and I can really work with them um, mm. and create beautiful art. Yeah. Amazing. And before we finish this lovely interview, which it was great talking to you and so inspirational. And is there anything you would like to just give to the audience, anything they should take with them on their paths and remember? I really love to emphasize at the end that when you look at your mentors, when you look at the people that inspire you, let them inspire you, but do not feel like you have to recreate their trajectory. You do not have to take the same path. You are so 
special and unique and your destiny is cooler than you think. So if you just follow your open doors, stay inspired, stay motivated by watching people who made their dreams come true, but know that your path, like mine, I had no plans of being here right now. <laughs> your, your path is actually more awesome than you could even ask or think or imagine. Keep your eyes open for deviations in the plan that are actually golden opportunities and go your way. I hope you have enjoyed this episode with Sidoni Smith. Artist Avenue will be back on Wednesday with another exciting interview. Keep your eyes peeled, make sure to hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at Artist Avenue Podcast. Your support means the world. Lots of hugs, keep smiling and see you soon.